Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got John Patrick Morgan on the line. How are you? I'm great, Michael. How are you? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. So why don't you share a little bit about you uh, and some of this amazing work you do? Cool, man. Um, I'm about 42, I think. Yeah, 42 years old. I've been living in Maui for four months prior to that, Santa Monica prior to that, London for seven years. Spent three years traveling the world, backpacking. Prior to that, I had a, um, a web media company in the US. I grew up in the Northeast in New England. And prior to that, in my early 20s, mid early 20s, I was in real estate. So I've kind of uh, always been on the entrepreneurial path. Um, I've been coaching now for about 12 years. Um, and I've always also just loved doing only what I love. I've, from a young age, I just kind of never took the pill where you have to do certain things or you can't have what you want. And I've just kind of I've got a very warrior spirit. I love fitness. I've high energy and I'm, I've always been committed to creating that. So I've lived through, through that, it kind of led me to coaching and I've been helping people, mostly entrepreneurs of all shit, you know, people that run companies like larger companies, and then also just sole proprietors and everything in between help them to create more success through essentially through being happy. That's amazing work. And I've got multiple careers myself, started off in yeah. public accounting, went into IT, dot com era dot com went mm-hmm. boom went back to accounting and had a hybrid thing mm-hmm. and then stumbled into healthcare and nonprofit and then launched my business so yeah a lot of different yeah. journeys along the way but I'm guessing that you've used tools from every one of those experiences oh, and yeah. what you do and working with your clients today and a lot of people say well or ask me, you know, well, where did you pick that up? And I'll say, I, I don't really <laughs> yeah. remember. It's just yeah. been in my tool bag for a long time. I mean, I can right. guess, but I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, those experiences that you had in, in your journey so far all pay off big time when you're helping sure. entrepreneurs try to figure out the happy component. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I can draw a line through everything that I've been doing all the way back to my earliest memories as a kid, taking apart a VCR and putting it back together when my parents weren't looking and like just the trying to understand how things work on the inside. Like, how does this work? And that led me to study physics and math at university, got a bachelor of science in that. And, but it wasn't really about the physical world only. It was just about everything. And the human experience always fascinated me. I love human beings. I love relating and connecting with people. Um, and so like that, the, the inside of the VCR of human dynamics, whether it's a, an individual person or a, a dynamic between two people in conversation has been my fascination. Um, and I've always kind of, I love the natural world and, and I love kind of a, a magical experience of life. And that led me into studying magic from a performance perspective, kind of like a David Blaine thing. And that led me to the, of my fascination with language and speaking and how language and speaking, whether it's foreign languages or just different ways of speaking in our own language, actually constructs the maps in our mind that make meaning of this world, all of the sensory data, and how by by manipulating that inside of our own minds, we can manipulate our perception and our experience, which changes our state of being, which then therefore changes the actions that we take, 
and then therefore produces our results. And so that's where like kind of different areas of my life have come together. Like the nexus of that is the essence of the work that I do now, where I help people to like literally see how they're constructing reality um, through their identity, through their worldview. Um, and then to edit that, to map that differently so that they basically wake up in the morning being more effective without having to try to be. I love that. And the language that we use um, both externally with others, but also internally, and I'm sure you mm-hmm. see this a lot with mm. struggling entrepreneurs, is the messaging that they're telling themselves has created the environment that they find themselves in. And just changing the story a little bit and changing Mm -hmm. the approach, subtle in most cases, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, maybe Mm -hmm. a little more, you know, bigger, I should say, Mm -hmm. for for Mm -hmm. other situations, uh, really changes the direction of those organizations. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, you hear the phrase, you got to get out of your own head, but sometimes you actually have to look in there, but look a little Mm -hmm. bit differently. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And as kind of similar to your example of let's take apart the VCR world. Mom and dad aren't here and (laughs) let's hopefully put it back together again, because I don't think my allowance (laughs) is going to cover the cost of this VCRs because VCRs used to be really expensive. I know there's a lot of mechanics going on inside that thing. There is exactly. And especially when you're peeling out a a little action figure or peanut butter and jelly sandwich that your kid puts (laughs) into it, that's a different story altogether. But I remember my late uncle Joe, he was one of the first people that bought a VCR and he paid I think he paid a couple thousand dollars for the thing when they wow. first came out yeah, yeah. and funny story so he invites all the you know kids and the cousins over and he's okay we're gonna put on a movie for them to watch and he picks Barbarella now if you've okay. not if you're not familiar with that film it's no. Jane Fonda 19 late 1960s the first scene in this movie is Jane Fonda on a spaceship wearing nothing but her birthday suit. Okay. So here's all the cousins, you know, ages like nine to four, give or take. Yeah. And we're going, we like these VCRs. (laughs) This looks pretty good. My mom comes around the corner, looks on the screen, sees Jane Fonda and all their glory and completely loses it on my uncle. It's like, Mm. what are you showing these kids? So that's my my first memory of VCRs. But, But going back to what we were originally talking about, you know, looking in and figuring out, okay, what makes Mike? You know, what mm. what are the things that are important to me? And then ask, mm. you know, why? Why is that important mm. to me? Where did that thought or that belief come from? Has that been mm. instilled since I was a kid? Something from experiences and all of that. And and look at it in a kind of a curiosity instead of a judgmental mm. way. Look at it mm-hmm. in a curious way going, Hmm. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. And then you, again, I, for me, I've made simple adjustments. I say simple, uh, but mm-hmm. they they seem simple now because where I am mm-hmm. now. But looking back, I'm, I'm I know that earlier in my career and my life may not have been as simple because I don't think mm-hmm. I was in the right space to be able to do that exercise. So, so you know, when you're working with people, and I'm sure you encounter those people, they're kind of I don't want to say stuck, but they're they're really having a difficult time on some things. So, mm. you know, what are some things without giving away the kernel secret recipe that you do to, you know, mm. kind of help them? Yeah, there's no secrets. Um, I, I, I offer them a question to ask themselves, which is equal parts confronting and empowering. Um, and that question is, how am I creating this? 
Um, and how am I creating this is like, I think there's a lot, you know, people that are, that have agency and that are resourceful, they ask some sense of this question, like, oh, okay, what, what can I do differently here? Right. And that, that's a good question to ask. But when I bring this in, I bring it in, in places that people would never want to look at it that way. Number one, because it, they just wouldn't think to, cause it seems like that's a, a circumstance that has nothing to do with me. So that's a waste of time to consider that or to ask that is so emotionally confronting because they look at their them creating something that isn't wanted or isn't useful as meaning about them, that they're bad, they're not lovable, right? They're not enough. And so I'm not going to touch that question. That thing's too hot. Um, but in the context of a coaching relationship, when I can really hold somebody to the fire and I, and I challenge them with that question, how are you creating that? It's like, well, my sales team's not performing. How are you creating that? You know, this guy he hasn't shown up for the meeting on time for the third time. How are you creating that? My wife's in a bad mood today. How are you creating that? And it's like, it's raining. How are you creating that? Okay, now you're pushing it. No, I actually mean it. How are you creating that? And, uh, and when a person is willing to look at that question, no matter what is happening in their life, and to actually be open to the possibility that they have a role to play in that, they actually access a depth of power. That's pretty phenomenal. It's a high leverage question when you're willing to be with it. And when you can hold it lightly enough to not use it as a way of judging yourself or beating yourself up, because that's not at all what it's about. And I love that because even with the rain analogy, you know, they're, they're okay. They didn't necessarily make it rain, but then you could start getting into all kinds of different things, our carbon footprint and things like that atmosphere and all of Absolutely. that, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, did I actually make it rain or did I make it snow? Yeah. And you, 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 you get a little bit more awareness of the impact that you have. And mm -hmm. from that, you can really start being more, what's the word I'm looking for? Aware. Yeah, more agency, more power. Yeah, an agency and more power. In, and in you're, your more, you're actually more free. When you see that yeah. you're creating everything in your world, you're actually mm -hmm. more free. Because you're not at effect that you're not at effect of circumstances. And I love that you went where you did because most of the time people won't, don't go there. But like, yes, there is a, a factor of your influence on the actual rain, your carbon footprint, whatever it is. And the reason that that's useful to see is twofold. Number one is to get that there's always a place that you have agency and power, right? And number two, like it just, you actually start to experience the interconnectedness that has you relax in your body. If you're feeling stressed, it's like you start to feel more connected to everything. You're not so alone. It's a beautiful thing. But there's two other ways that I would go, at least when it looks like, how am I creating the rain? And I use that example because I asked that myself that question, uh, let's say 10 years ago now when I was living in London, how am I creating the rain in London? And so there is, of course, that piece that we just talked about. But then there's also like, well, I'm living here. And so there's London, like London out there, but also like I live here. So what I'm actually asking is how am I creating living in a place where it rains? It's like, well, I'm not actually thinking about leaving. I haven't considered that. What's scary about that? Well, leaving friends, moving my business. Okay, so I'm creating a rainy life by staying, by accommodating rain. And then how else? And then I left and, and we moved to California. So that was like, that was that. But then it's also a friend of mine who left London, moved to California, and then moved back to London. She's British. And she wrote this beautiful article about the rain and about how when she left, she missed it. And when she came back, she was so happy to see the rain again. And so the other way that I'm creating rain is the subtext of rain in that question is like rain that's problematic, rain that I don't want. So what I'm actually saying is how am I creating an experience of wetness that I don't want? How am I creating the I don't want? This isn't good. 
And I'm creating that through my perspective that rain means I have to be unhappy. But but everybody's unhappy when it rains. Well, maybe not. What if that's just not true? What if it's actually, what if there's a person in the world who could come to life when it rains? And now that I live in Maui in the upcountry and I'm around farmers, people are happy when it rains. And so it's the meaning that we make about circumstances creates our experience and our experience creates our, our way of acting and behaving and that creates our results. So this is why this question is, it's, it's only always useful. One of the comments or quotes that Michael Hyatt, uh, he used to be the CEO of uh, Thomas Nelson Publishing and leadership mm-hmm. guy and all of that, he commented about being frustrated and standing in a line, but then he, he's changed the, the language and the dialogue to himself mm-hmm. asking, mm-hmm. what does this situation create for me? An mm-hmm. opportunity? Do I have an opportunity to reflect on something? Do I have just an opportunity to mm. take a few minutes and just breathe mm. and, and take a pause from the iPhone and just mm-hmm. stand in line. And, mm. li- and all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, they're playing music mm-hmm. in the grocery store. I mm-hmm. didn't notice that music when I walked in. It was mm. playing when you walked in, but sometimes we're, it, so, yeah. we're so focused, we didn't, we didn't notice it. Um, mm. And just you, you start noticing things or... You know, I'm very fortunate. I live really close to a nature trail and I go there often and it just I just listen mm. and experience and and it lowers blood pressure for sure. Not you mm-hmm. know, thankfully I don't have high blood pressure anymore because I made but significant change. It is. It's it's literally the soundtrack of existence and mm-hmm. and it, it's great to you know get away from the day-to-day and the Zoom calls and all this other stuff, especially during this pandemic, because mm-hmm. you know, so many of us were sequestered to mm. our our offices, which were also our living rooms or bedrooms mm-hmm. or wherever. Mm-hmm. And from that, you know, they've you know adjusted. So that you know that's segueing into a question I want to ask you about. You know, with the people you've been working with, you know, what are some things that you've been helping them with as far as you know navigating through this pandemic, which obviously you probably didn't have that in your in your in your coaching realm necessarily of okay how to deal with the pandemic mm. but but I, I know the things that you do work with people on has probably set them up to navigate through this a lot easier than many people are yeah i mean absolutely like right at the beginning of the pandemic like obviously i didn't want this to happen it's not a great thing but it felt like holy shit i'm i'm a, I'm a hand sanitizer manufacturer or toilet paper company, because all of a sudden the thing that I've been doing and selling for years is now actually the most valuable thing on the market. You know, like it's like the, the hand sanitizer was all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, because the essence of my work is to help a person to find great agency, power, certainty in a context where circumstances are uncertain. And so suddenly everybody's been thrown into chaos and it's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen economically? Are we going to get financial support? Are we not? Is the loan going to be forgiven? Is it forgiven? Is it not? Am I going to get sick? Am I not? Should I get the vaccine? Should I not? All of this, I don't know what to do. And add to that the political polarization and everything else been happening, right? It's very unsettling for the nervous system when your nervous system is inextricably entangled to circumstance through the unconscious meanings that you're habitually making. When you don't have any agency in that gap, that space between what happens out there and the, what you make mean of it, you're out of effect to the world. 
And, and, and as a person becomes aware of that and more adept at changing that, they're able to be certain despite uncertain circumstances. And furthermore, as for leaders today, more and more, everybody in the world is looking for the leaders that can bring more certainty in these circumstances. And so as a leader, your opportunity to actually ride the waves of this chaos is very great. You know, some leaders are going to get swept away and some of them are going to rise on top of it. And so I've been a real champion since the start of the pandemic to help people get that this is an opportunity, not an opportunity to capitalize on people and and then to take money, make money from them. I mean, it's an opportunity to actually contribute to the world in a big way with your leadership. If you see this as an opportunity for your own growth to continue to be able to create more certainty uh, where circumstances are uncertain. So um, I've loved the work. I mean, it's deepened my own self-growth. It's deepened the work that I've done with clients. And it's super important. And I believe that, you know, for people like yourself and me and like this kind of work, this is some of the most important work in the world right now. And I took that from a Harvard psychologist, Robert Keegan, who says the people that are helping like psychologists and coaches that are helping to evolve human development, evolve adult development so they can actually see how they're creating their experience. Those are the people at the forefront of humanity right now because they're leading the charge that's going to evolve the human race to give them the capacity to meet the chaos and the complexity that's that's arising that's evolving in the world. Yeah, it's a very important work, and it's yeah, a good friend of mine says tragedy creates opportunity, and that's mm. what this is. It's a yeah. it's an opportunity to to serve and to help and to utilize that tool bag I mentioned before mm-hmm. of skills to help people navigate through things and 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 recognize they do have agency and you know they can rise above the noise and the chaos mm-hmm. and all the things that we see that is portrayed to be happening may not be actual mm-hmm. reality it could be just sensationalism with media and a variety of other things you know it's mm-hmm. but that's where when you have your own self-confidence in your own agency, then you can see through the noise and say, okay, what is the reality that I see? What is the reality that I am creating? And mm-hmm. and take that opportunity to make it better for you, your definition of better for you. And mm-hmm. doing that means that people will be happier and healthier. We have more happier and healthier people, guess what? That has a ripple effect on everything, mm. you know, from the products we buy and serve, and humanity, and the environment, and nations, and trade, and it's it's such. Mm. We don't think we have a, a voice, but we do, and we mm. and we and if we do it the right way, it'll make things so much better for all of us across the globe. Yeah. That's why I said earlier, I said, like, I help people be happy first and then create their success, the results through that. It's the same kind of idea. I use the word love a lot in my work because my sense is that when a person is being loving towards themselves, towards others, they engage in things that are coherent, that are whole, that are healthy for everybody. And the net result of people being loving is a more loving world, a kinder world, um, you know, a world that works for everybody. And so um, that's my orientation as well. So if you get a new customer or a new client mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, what's, I know you, you said you, you work on the happy uh, thing mm-hmm. first. What's a common thing you run into to people um, that, you know, maybe be a roadblock for them to yeah. find that happiness within? Um, 
yeah, I don't actually talk about happiness that much. It's actually something that happens when we focus on the place that I start, which is what would you love to create? And in that question, I'm, I'm intentionally kind of boxing them into a couple of different things. Number one, I'm saying like what you love matters, not what you want, not what you should do, not what somebody else thinks you should do, um, what you love. And, and then what would you love to create? And I'm basically preempting them to see that they're a creator. They can create anything they want. Um, and so that's where we begin. And so it takes some time for some people to actually feel what they would love because they didn't give themselves permission to think that way, feel that way. But once we get that and they're connected to it and we look at it, it's like, cool, okay, then now the fun part begins. So how are you keeping that out? How are you stopping yourself from creating that? How are you creating not that? And then we get into it. And then the kinds of things that come up are, well, my fear, my judgments about what's possible, my thinking too small, um, you know, my, my, my concerns about, you know, what would happen financially if I were to make a shift like that. Um, and we get on into all of the psychological limiting ideas, whether it's from a childhood trauma um, or conditioning or just an acceptance, an acceptance of some social cultural norms. I love helping people to see that they're not actually broken and need to heal. You just accepted an idea about the world that's keeping you trapped. And the people that create great success, they don't buy into those ideas. They have some nuanced or different way of seeing that gives them easy permission. They don't have to overcome. They don't have to feel the fear and do it anyway. They just see the world different and it's easy for them. I love that. And I can tell that you create a very, very happy and positive impact on the people <laughs> that you work with. So John Patrick, I love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing yeah. work you do? My personal website is jpmorganjr.com. JP Morgan JR. The bank had my, my first name. So I had through the junior in there. And um, that's also my handle on everything social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. So JP Morgan JR. I'll definitely have that all in the show notes. So John Patrick, cool. again, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate you and love the work that you're doing. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.